Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis is home to one of the busiest inland ports in the United States, but most area residents have been taught to turn their backs on the Mississippi River. Visiting the Arch or catching a glimpse from I-55 might be as close as they get. Big Muddy Adventures wants to change that. Its experienced guides regularly lead paddling trips down the rivers, both in canoes and kayaks. One of our producers, Evie Hemphill, hitched a ride with Big Muddy Adventures last week as one of the canoes was passing by Laclede's Landing. Let's listen to what she brought back from talking with the passengers. It's Friday afternoon along the Mississippi River, about a half mile north of the Gateway Arch. Captain Mike Clark is navigating a canoe toward the St. Louis Riverfront's cobblestone shore. The narrow vessel looked extremely small when it first appeared on the horizon upstream, especially compared to the commercial barges also making use of the Great Waterway. But this canoe is bigger than most. It holds Clark and eight other passengers, who are nearing the end of a river trip that began about 11 miles north of here. So we started the trip just under the Chain of Rocks Bridge, um, just at the 270 Bridge. That's Fiona Fordyce, a Big Muddy Adventures guide who's assisting Clark on this particular journey. We went um, under the old Route 66 Chain of Rocks Bridge. We crossed over the natural formation, the Chain of Rocks. Okay. We went around Mosentine Island. We stopped at the south end of the island and on a really beautiful sandbar and had lunch. We saw some blue heron, uh, some egrets. We saw some fish jumping and we continued down to where the channel meets up with the river, passed under some, some neat bridges under the stand span, which was cool. Two of today's passengers are from St. Louis, and several others, members of the Canelli family, are visiting from Seattle. The way Justine Canelli and her teenage daughter Mae Canelli describe the experience might surprise people. So many associate the Mississippi with strong currents, floodwaters, and frightening depths. It's very relaxing and it's been pretty peaceful. You are not paddling very often. So it feels very remote, right? And peaceful and natural um, by the island where we swam. You, you wouldn't even know that you're by a big city. But the transition to like from like the island to here is like you're traveling from two different times. St. Louis and Patrick Berry is one of those people who initially thought that taking a canoe out on the mighty Mississippi would be pretty wild and risky. He crossed paths with Clark for the first time in Forest Park on Earth Day a couple years ago. He told me, uh, hey, I um, take people out on the Mississippi River, which sounded crazy to me. And even crazier, he said, we go at night. So I said, where do I sign? Barry managed to convince his wife to sign up too, and their first trip left them surprised by a deep sense of peace. I couldn't believe um, how calm and um, it really felt like I was on a lake. Um, I think um, before my first big money trip, probably my only experience on the Mississippi was on the riverboat McDonald's uh, at a grade school field trip. Um, so my uh, walking into it, I was thinking there were going to be barges and big logs and muddy water, um, and I didn't see any of that. It was calm and peaceful and incredibly quiet, um, and I did not feel like I was in the middle of St. Louis. Out on the canoe on Friday, Fordyce points out that some parts of the day's big muddy adventure take place along stretches of waterway that aren't open to larger commercial traffic. And then once that channel meets up with the river again, you start seeing some more commercial traffic. But we have this marine radio with us, so 
we're always in communication with all the other barges. So they'll give us instructions and directions on, you know, where to go and that they see us. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty safe. We're also relying on the experience and expertise of Muddy Mike, yeah. the captain. <laughs> That's Fordyce's brother, Samuel Fordyce, who's tagging along on this trip. As the canoe nears the gateway arch and the sound of passing trains and barges increases, Fiona Fordyce draws passengers' attention to various points of interest. You guys, so this is the Eads Bridge. It's, um, it was one of the very first bridges to ever cross the Mississippi River. <laughs> yeah, so isn't that neat? Yeah. You can tell where the flood was. You should explain about the Mozantine Island Ferry and how that used to exist. That little story you told us earlier. I like that. Well, so in the 1920s and 1930s, the city of St. Louis used to run a little ferry on the weekends out to the north end of Mozantine Island where there's a really beautiful white sand sandbar and it was advertised as a way to spend your St. Louis weekend at the beach. And it's still a really beautiful, really nice beach. Where is that exactly, for those who don't know? It's um, just across from North Riverfront Park, just south of the Chain of Rocks. And it's just such a shame that we as a city have sort of collectively forgotten that we have this wonderful recreation opportunity here. Tom Nagel grew up in St. Louis, bicycling the Riverfront Trail and enjoying life along the river. But until a few years ago, like many St. Louisans, Nagel had never really explored the waterway itself. A lot of St. Louisans still have that stigma of, oh, don't touch the river, it's dirty, it's unsafe, there's undercurrent. And, and I used this word when I first went out back in, I think it was uh, April of 2014, I, I just got baptized by the river and totally rethought my whole perspective on the Mississippi River, uh, canoeing through the confluence of these huge rivers and then wading on a sandy beach on an island. Uh, The river is such a part of the soul of our city, and it's really a a natural, beautiful place um, that's hidden from us unless you go out and, and seek it out. And really, it'll transform your idea of the city, our relationship with the river, our relationship with all the natural things, the animals, the power of the river and the landscape that uh, it crafts um, right here um, uh, on our front lawn, really, the Mississippi River. For someone like Patrick Berry, who's lived in St. Louis 42 years, knowledgeable guides like those with Big Muddy Adventures have opened up a whole new aspect of life in St. Louis. It's easy to turn our back and ignore um, the resources we have at our front door being the great waterways. Um, and uh, getting on a canoe and experiencing it uh, gives you a whole new appreciation for where we live and also why it's important to um, take care of our natural resources. That was Patrick Berry along with Tom Nagel, Fiona and Samuel Fordyce, and Justine and Mae Kennelly sharing their Big Muddy Adventure experiences with one of our producers, Evie Hemphill. Here in the studio to discuss life on the Mississippi is Mike Clark. He's a founder of Big Muddy Adventures and its lead guide. We're also joined by Rue Yawitz, general manager of Big Muddy Adventures. Have you explored our region's waterways via canoe or kayak? What was that experience like? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Mike Clark, Rue Yawitz, thank you for joining us. Sure, great to be here. 
Great to be here. Now, Mike, you were a school teacher and then you started Big Muddy. That is an amazing transition. What led you to do that? Um, pretty simply, I was a bit frustrated teaching. Uh, the classroom with walls wasn't working too well. And uh, so I found out that going out on the river, I had a different kind of classroom. And uh, I started feeling like, you know, it was a wonderful place to open people's eyes, change their opinions, give them a chance to to explore. Was it hard to get people to give you a chance when you were first starting? Absolutely. The uh, first few years, it was evangelization, you know. As was spoken about earlier, people have an opinion about this river, which is, I believe, mythological, you know. But uh, yeah, so the first few years, it was pretty difficult to convince people. But once again, we got their uh, uh, their butts in the boat, so to speak. It uh, it uh, changed the way they uh, they felt about the river. Ru Yawitz, were you one of those butts in the boats? Uh, yes, I um, I met Mike in 2008 at a uh, Awesome Blues concert, and uh, he told me what he does. And I grew up here and um, thought of myself as a paddler, but didn't realize that I could paddle uh, without leaving St. Louis. It just hadn't occurred to me. So you used to travel to go. I did. Do this. Traveled to the Ozarks. Traveled to the uh, uh, Quetico National Park in Canada. Place other places and. Uh, yeah, it um, got to know Mike, and he got me out, and uh, definitely changed my perspective on St. Louis. And I got completely hooked, and um, became a full-on river rat, as we call ourselves. And Mike, you used the word um, that you were evangelizing people. It sounds like some of your converts have come in one by one by one. Has that been the way of it for the river? Yeah, it started with a two-person canoe. So I was in the back, and I'd have one person in the front, and. That was the first few years, and then I acquired a, a bigger boat that I could put more people in, and you know it progressed like that. But how it was, big? It, how big are your boats these days? Well, um, we have boats. Uh, our main fleet of boats are uh, that we like to take people in are twenty nine feet six or thirty feet long. So they'll they'll handle twelve people. Twelve people. Mm -hmm. Is that how one of the people that we quoted in earlier in the segment talked about how they didn't do much paddling? Do you have some people that are just kind of sitting there letting you do the work? Yeah, there's a phrase called the li lily dippers. They uh, they don't quite. <laughs> they just gently they, touch yeah, the water. <laughs> if they do, but you know we're we're going with the flow of the Great River, so that gives us the advantage of being able to just kind of people don't have let to the paddle. Yeah, and we ask them to paddle it. It helps to uh, to steer the boat to have it under power, but um, it's not always necessary for everyone to paddle. And with that many people in the boat, too, it doesn't take a lot to mm -hmm. propel that boat. So, Ru Yawitz, there is definitely this perception out there that the Mississippi is too scary for people to get on. It seems like everybody who grows up here thinks that. How do you make sure that you're keeping your passengers safe when you're out there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a perception that, that we fight. And um, being on the radio, being on the news, having word of mouth, social media, all those things, we've gotten to the point with the company where a lot of people maybe haven't been out with us, but they know somebody that has and they saw some great pictures. Um, to your question about safety, um, as was mentioned in the package, we have uh, commercial radios. So we, we speak um, to the barge captains. They tell us where they'd like us to be and we go there. And you know the analogy that I use a lot on the river is the Mississippi and the Missouri. We do both of those rivers. You know, it's like a 18-lane highway. There's nine lanes going in either direction, and a barge, even a full barge with a lot of cargo, might be taking up two lanes of that highway going in the opposite direction. And you have 30 minutes to figure out what to do because 
we're moving at five miles an hour down river. You know, there's just there's all this time. And um, the barges are not coming out of nowhere. They cannot come out of nowhere. They cannot. They can't sneak up on you. And even people ask about logs. And we always tell them the logs are moving the same speed as the river. So the perspective, as was mentioned um, in the in the intro, the perspective of the speed of the river when you're on the bank is completely different than the perspective when you're out there and everything is moving at the same speed. So even an entire tree down, it can't sneak up on you either because it's only moving at the same speed as as, as you are. So, you mentioned seeing other barges and big boats. Now that you've been evangelizing everyone in St. Louis, do you guys also sometimes see other fleets of, of canoes and kayaks? Or are you still the only ones? <clears throat> as far as, um, you know, commercially operating or guiding and outfitting the river, um, we are the only one currently. Okay. But um, there is a growing population of people who are recreating on, you know, paddling. Uh, we have an organization in St. Louis called St. Louis Canoe and Kayak who does a wonderful job of, of getting people individually in their own boats out there. So have you noticed a change in the years you've been out there in terms of re- increase in recreational users? Absolutely. Not a monumental change, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, certainly a great increase. There's a large number of people, let me say, you know, 50 to 100 people who are paddling the entire length, kind of like the Appalachian Trail or Pacific Crest Trail. And they start at Lake Itasca and they go for the Gulf. And that has grown over the years. Now, you yourself have done that, correct, Mike? I have. I have gone from Itasca to the Gulf. That How is, does our section of the river um, compare to other parts of it? Well, um, I describe it as four different rivers. Um, you have the headwaters, which is, you know, pristine and it's in northern Minnesota and it's a uh, shallow and narrow. And then you get to Minneapolis and you meet the upper Mississippi where you start with commercial navigation. You also start with locks and dams. And there's 27 of those. So that changes. And then when we get here to the Alton Lock and Dam, all of a sudden you get onto the uh, free-flowing Mississippi River and that's like a galloping horse. You know, it comes out of there and then you get down to Baton Rouge and that's a completely different because you have uh, ocean-going vessels. So you, this reach was particularly interesting to me when I got there the first time because I had been going like three miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was going six. So I was like, wow. Twice as fast. Absolutely. <laughs> and the river widens out to some extent. Too. So the perception that we are in one of the more dangerous sections, that sounds like that's true. Things are going faster here. The river's going faster. But again, mm-hmm. as Rue said, um, the interesting thing is, is your uh, perspective is you're going at the speed, maybe one mile an hour faster than the river. So, you know, whether you're going three or six or seven, that relative danger thing, if you want to call it that, is um, literally relative. Um, yeah. um, I would say you have to be an experienced boater to be out there. It's not the place to go for your first paddling trip. Um, or be on a boat with an experienced boater, which yeah, well, is what you guys offer. That's exactly yeah. what we're trying to do, yeah. Now, Ruyawitz, can you tell me about these nighttime trips? This, I think, for people who grew up kind of fearing the Mississippi, this must seem like the craziest thing of all, to go out there at night. Right. So we use uh, something to motivate people on the night trips that has been motivating people forever. Great food. So uh, the full moon float, which Mike, uh, you know, started doing um, before I got involved in the company, and we've kind of grown it into, you know, one of our quote-unquote kind of signature trips – um, is a evening paddle on the Mississippi or the Missouri um, onto an island. Uh, we move the trip around depending on you know weather and river conditions and things like that. So you don't know exactly where you're going to go until you hear from us a couple of days before, which is kind of fun. And uh, we meet up around five o'clock and we uh, put in, paddle down to an island. Um, 
either a chef comes with us that's maybe a friend of ours or, uh, you know, we have our own staff and some of us, Fiona especially, who was on the, the intro package, uh, is a great river chef. And uh, we're putting together, you know, a multiple course meal over a uh, uh, open fire while everybody just hangs out on the beach. You watch the sun go down, you watch the moon come up. Uh, we eat dinner, and then um, after enjoying the the moonlight for a while, um, we get back in the canoes and we head to the takeout. So I mean, it's a great experience, and uh, it's definitely become one of the things that we're known for. Mike Clark, how does the feeling of the river change at night? <clears throat> well, I think um, you know, light <laughs> is <laughs> yes, the obvious one. The but <laughs> you know, um, we we do these trips, um, notably on the Pullman. And, and full moonlight is remarkable on the river. Um, I actually feel at times like I can read river water better at night than mm-hmm. I can during a glaring sunlight day. But um, your sense of uh, sound is accentuated, whereas, you know, um, you know, you can't quite see the things on the islands as you're passing them around the bank. You can hear them. And, you know, as I kind of like to say, it's a full moon, so it's a party in the woods. You know, all the animals are having a good time, too. So, you know, as we're coming down or we're on an island, we start to hear what's going on in the woods. So I think it's, you know, a, a much more sensual thing, your ears versus your eyes. And unfortunately, on that note, we're completely out of time. We had so much more we wanted to talk about today. Um, But I guess for anybody who's tuning in, if you want to know more, check out the website for Big Muddy Adventures. Maybe think about getting on the river yourself. Um, Mike Clark, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And Yawitz, thank you for being here today as well. Thanks for having us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.